Hello, you're listening to Season 2 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Adriano. And I'm Andy, and this episode is brought to you by a team of highly trained homing ostriches. You'll hear a knock at your door any moment now, but don't open it. They're vicious creatures and won't hesitate to tear you limb from limb. Adriano. Andy. How are you doing? Not too bad yourself. I'm not too bad, but I'm quite warm because as we record this, it is about 30 degrees. Um, oh, it's toasty. Which brings me on to my topic for this week, which is mm. uh, something which has been in the news for quite a few years now. It's climate change. Mm. Um, it's a big problem. How are we going to deal with it? There's lots of uh, kind of international efforts to combat it. A lot of weird technologies are being proposed for how we could counter it. But what haven't we thought of that could solve or allow us to adapt to climate change? I think it's a very good idea that we start thinking about this now in preparation for the inevitable day, uh, you know, when we get that phone call um, on yep. the, the red hypotheticals phone uh, hidden inside the desk <laughs> when the, the president finally, you know, finally decides to call the experts. So, yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, the simplest plans um, are often the best. So I would say, like, just step one, go into settings and just move that slider down a little bit. See if that fixes it, you know? <laughs> are you thinking of the sort of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy situation again, where Earth is actually a giant computer? Uh, <laughs> yes. And if we can just access that RAM, if we can access, you know, the, the hard drive, we can just change the settings and it'll be all right. That's actually quite funny because uh, obviously in the Hitchhiker's Guide, it is a giant computer, but not in the traditional sci-fi sort of like, oh no, it was all holograms or like, it's actually just a thin shell of sort of natural world on top of like a big old metal sphere or something, you know, and if you tunnel down far enough, it's all just microchips and nonsense. Um, the idea was that it's a, a, an organic computer so complex that living things actually form part of its operational matrix. Uh, so right. I guess in a very real sense, um, what we need to do is amend the programming um, to fix the problem. But we're going to have to do that sort of the old fashioned way um, because, you know, our, our coding involves things like uh, halting deforestation. Yeah, we've kind of got a computer virus at the moment. You know, someone's <laughs> been using Earth to browse some seriously dodgy websites and they've downloaded oh. all sorts of stuff. They wanted those free screensavers or whatever. <laughs> and it's just, mm, no, 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 no. They signed up for one of those services that like is supposed to get you 20% off your next purchase. And then somewhere in the small print, it turns out it's a subscription. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's not great. We have, we have subscribed to uh, rising temperatures and I for one would like to unsubscribe. Just uncheck. Yeah, we 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 haven't been paying for our films that we've been watching, and uh, <laughs> we were we've just been downloading them from dodgy dodgy galaxies, and mm -hmm. uh, it's you know we're paying the price. Yeah, we are slowly, uh, slowly but surely. So yeah, I mean, if uh, you know the classic sort of um, go and fiddle around in the settings, hit up that search box, or if all else fails, uh, turn it off and on again. Uh, I think that's <laughs> that's where I'd start. I guess. How about you? How, well, well, hang on. How would you turn off and on again the, the entire Earth? Well, I'm hoping it wouldn't come to that. Um, <laughs> would you just you just kill everything? <laughs> just and then reset. Start again? Yeah, I don't know. I guess. I guess. <laughs> hmm. Well, maybe that's too drastic. Uh, my other idea is you could just sort of blow on it. Um, it works for soup. <laughs> um, sort of a giant fan arrangement. 
Yeah, I guess. Get some more wind on the go. Now, I, I know one thing about wind, and that is that I believe it's caused by thermals. So the sun heats up sort of patches of the Earth's crust, um, and then that heat gets sort of conducted into the air, like immediately above that patch of ground, and then that air becomes less dense and therefore lighter and rises as all the cooler air around it sort of rushes in to, to sink below it, uh, and that, you know, causes a movement of air and all this air rushing in. Like, that's that's the origin of wind. That's my quite basic understanding. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So as, as the planet heats up more because of all this so-called climate change, <laughs> surely we'd get more wind, right? Well... The problem mm. will just fix itself. Yeah. I mean, one one theory I've, I've come across about wind turbines, which I think sounds quite ridiculous, is that if we put too many wind turbines up, then we won't have any wind left because all the energy from the wind has gone into our electricity or whatever. Um, My God, that's what we've done. We thought renewable <laughs> energy was the solution. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many wind turbines you'd have to build. We don't know how many we've already built, though. The problem is already there. <laughs> but then we build buildings. I mean, I think a, a skyscraper takes more energy out of the wind. But they're than not absorbing it. Is the thing you know? There's always energy loss in the transfer. What are these wind turbines doing? They're sucking the wind in, turning it into <laughs> electricity. Buildings aren't doing that. The wind just bounces off. It's fine. Keeps going. Yeah, solar panels sucking in all that light, turning into electricity. People use that electricity, heat the homes, climate change. <laughs> it's what yeah, it is. Right, exactly. We're actively turning sunlight into heat. We need is, more fossil fuels. <laughs> Wean us off renewables, and that's the only way to solve it. Yeah, we need to get that sort of inner chemical heat out of our planet. <laughs> it's causing problems. If we can find a way to burn magma, then we're onto something. Yeah, we need a sort of um, yeah a juice cleanse of, uh, of the Earth. Get all of those toxins out and into the atmosphere where they can't harm anyone. That's right. Famously, we don't rely on our atmosphere for anything. So if they're out there and not in the ground, we'll be all right. Yeah, it's it's about getting it out. It's the same as those, uh, you know, those pore strips you can buy and then stick them on your nose um, and then let them dry out and then peel them off and they'll they'll be covered in little spots. Um, We need that sort of thing. Like, it's a similar... (laughs) concept basically the, the problems the toxins are in here and we need them out there right so we just you know get a giant absorbent pad put it into an oil well and then just fire that entire pad into space i guess yeah maybe or opposite here's, here's the thing i mean we talk about absorbency but the earth is largely covered in water right bit of a misnomer there we, i think we mentioned this um, when we were talking about invading aliens it's called earth but it's pretty watery it's not watery enough what do you do on a really hot day you take a cold shower we are (laughs) we are like 80 percent cold shower here on this planet and it's not sufficiently cold maybe we just need to find some more water i gather that's pretty plentiful in space well i mean we're kind of doing that already with melting all the ice caps you know get some more (laughs) warmer water okay yeah you know what that's a reasonable solution too (laughs) i mean i mean talking of water though um i'm gonna kind of go down an avenue which is coping with climate change like the consequences of let's assume we don't manage to uh we don't manage to avert climate change but we've got to deal with the consequences so mm-hmm. this is actually a real uh idea which you know a company in dubai planned to just they just wanted to tether an iceberg from antarctica and they would mm. just tow it with ships to you know to the middle east um and Marvelous. just you know have 
it's a tourist attraction. It would bring its own microclimate, essentially, because of all the sort of interactions, you know, the evaporating, melting water and all that sort of thing. And they right. just, you know, just chip water off it and get fresh water that way. That is so wild. So they just park it out in the bay or whatever, and they've got all their super tall hotels and things just staring at this big old mountain of ice and ships so. going out to it and like chipping lumps off and it's just sort of cooling down all the sea and causing some cool breezes, I suppose. Yeah, maybe more rainfall. Uh, I'm not quite sure how their logic works. They, they planned this in 2017 and it hasn't happened yet, so I'm, I'm doubtful. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of issues with just being like, hey, you know the ice caps are melting? We're just going <laughs> to take this little bit here and tow it to the equator. Which is just going to speed up that melting a little bit. <laughs> well, it makes sense to, you know, grab them while you can before they're all gone, I suppose. Grab your little chunk of frosty paradise. I yeah. like, I admire the simplicity of that solution. Like, forget about all the emergent properties, like all the insane, unforeseeable effects. You know, what happens when you cool down this portion of uh, ocean water and all the fish that evolved to deal with this temperature and I have to deal with this <laughs> other one and all the wind and the rain and all the... Nah, forget about it. You're too hot. Let's go get some ice. Okay, everyone's <laughs> too hot. We'll get a lot of ice. Forget about it. Yeah, I don't know what you would... I mean, could you set up like a ski slope on that thing? I don't know how big they're talking. Because like they Someone want this... Would. I think the idea was that this iceberg would last the entire year because obviously you've got to time it with winter in antarctica so that the right. ice refreezes um okay and it's so yeah expensive. i guess the the ski season in dubai you know <laughs> you just you just make little put little flags in this iceberg and off you go yeah there's suddenly you know carve some uh, sort of diving cliffs on that thing uh hollow out a portion turn that into an ice hotel like there's a lot of commercial opportunities and suddenly a lot of hotels uh can sell not only rooms with an ocean view but rooms with an iceberg view or you know rooms <laughs> that suddenly have a cool breeze blowing in uh it's really gonna you know i mean not that their economy needs that much revitalizing as i mean i don't know much about dubai to be honest except that they were uh, filthy rich at some point i imagine they still are but uh yeah why not it never rains but it pours and imagine if you were just sleeping in your ice hotel and suddenly a, a massive kind of hydraulic claw comes in through <laughs> your bedroom window uh, to rip out a chunk of ice from your bed. Sorry, we, we've degraded the iceberg to such an extent this is the last bit left. <laughs> because the, the planning permissions and uh, sort of all the city planning laws and all the rest of it, they haven't caught up to this new directive, to this new... Because, you know, normally you reclaim land from the sea to make a personal island or whatever. It takes a while, there's enough time for the paperwork to catch up, but you suddenly just get a big old hunk of land and tow it into the bay. It's just a free-for-all. It's like the Wild West. There's people tunneling in from opposite sides, joining in the middle, finding new romance. It's a hotbed. Well, there could a be all sorts bed. of loopholes, because is it technically land if it's just ice? Like, yeah. uh, who owns it? I guess it's the company that tows it there, but how do you enforce that? You'd get ice um, ice pirates, ice smugglers, uh, poachers, <laughs> like, all sorts. Yeah, sneaking out at night to just chip bits off. You need a special icy division of the police. Yeah, <laughs> presumably you'd develop ice-themed superheroes and supervillains. I mean, I, this is a strong idea. But if we want to go back to not just coping with climate change, but actually ways to mitigate it, you talked about turning the Earth off and on again, and, and one of the ways that you could do that is just uh, nuking. So you fire all the right. nuclear missiles at, mm -hmm. at each other, and then, you know, like a nuclear winter, that would temporarily cool the planet because of all the ash and, and smog. Winter um, is right there in the name. 
Yeah, and, and with the added bonus that the reduced population and uh, the possible complete loss of your electronics because of the EMP pulses mm-hmm. uh, would, mm-hmm. you know, that would massively reduce CO two emissions. So it's a win win. That's a really good point. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so we can keep we we'll keep the nukes as like Plan B. <laughs> maybe Plan Z. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe that far down. I guess try the other stuff first. Uh, my immediate yeah. thinking is. Um, Okay, I like the idea of launching things. Can we <laughs> launch all of our hot stuff into space? <laughs> right? We've got too much heat down here. It's nice and cold up in space. Yep. Can we just sort of... You know, like, a fridge is basically um, a device for moving heat around, right? Like, we think of it as it cools things down, but it doesn't. It just moves the heat out the back, right? Like, your house doesn't become net colder because it has a fridge in it. No, if anything, it becomes net warmer slightly. There we go, because it's burning the electricity or because of sunspots, I don't know. So <laughs> we think of space as our fridge and we just get hot things, put them up there. And then if we need them later, they'll be nice and cooled down. So in every house, you've got a sort of, you know, you, uh, in fancy houses, you used to have the um, dumb waiters yeah. where you'd send food up. But you've got that in your kitchen, and as soon as you get your tray out of the oven, you pour the food onto the plates, and then you put the entire hot tray into your dumbwaiter, and it just launches it into space. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> hot food I might allow as one of the, the hot things that you're allowed to have, but we might no, need to the, impose the tray a itself, tax. You could launch. Oh, the tray! I see. Okay, so yeah, you keep the food, but then yeah, like yeah, you got all this heat in your oven. You don't need that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. entire oven gets launched into space. It's quite expensive. <laughs> And bring it back down when it's nice and cooled down. Yeah, great yeah, for the need, economy, though. Not just space <laughs> elevators. We need space dumb waiters. And, yeah. Well, talking of space elevators, though, yeah, to a more realistic, I think, version of this would be you build a space elevator, which obviously uh, we don't know if it's possible. Anyway, you build a space elevator and you incorporate a heat exchanger like in a fridge into the uh, space elevator itself. So let's say you've got like a... Um, uh, you've got pipes of water just going all the way up the space elevator into space and then back down to Earth. And it's hot when it goes in at Earth level and then it mm-hmm. cools down in space and then it comes back down. I like that. Yeah, just like like a PC cooling system or what have you, but for the Earth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So instead of everyone having a, a small one of these in their houses, which I'll grant you might become a little bit... I, apart from <laughs> anything else, it would tangle up the airspace something chronic. But yeah, one one big one, like a few big ones around the equator or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think you I like always that. need multiples of two with space elevators, otherwise they uh, throw the Earth's orbit out of sync or something. Well, listen, that's another idea I had. That might not be the worst of it. Um, <laughs> may- <laughs> what if we if we can get the Earth to stop spinning, right, oh. then only half of it would heat up, because only half of it would be facing the sun, it would heat up and the other lot. side would get nice and cold. Yeah, but maybe that would be like mitigated somehow (laughs) we could arrange a timeshare is what i'm saying because it's like if it's a really hot it's a hot day outside right and Mm -hmm. you've got a nice air-conditioned room but there's not enough room in it for like you and all your friends to get in there so you have to take it in turns so most of you are sat and it's a hot day outside and you're like oof can't wait for it to be my turn in the in the frigidarium right 
But the only way to power the Frigidarium is to also have a sauna going, like, next to it. <laughs> okay? So you're mm-hmm. sat outside, and it's like, oh, it's uncomfortably warm. And then it's like, oh, nearly my turn in the cold zone. Oh, I guess I'd better go sit in the sauna for 15 minutes first. But then you go into that nice cool room, and, ah, oh, it feels even better because you've just been in the really hot place. Right? So wouldn't it be worth it? It all balances out. It's like a zero-sum game eventually. But it's I mean... worth it just for the, you know... Like that. The the effects on the Earth's entire, you know, I, I think the, the side facing the sun would become like, I don't know, 100 degrees all the time. The side <laughs> yeah, facing well, away would be like minus 50 all the time. You'd, and you'd, you'd, you could build so across, many wind turbines anyway. around the equator, whatever the equator is at this point, you know, the, the rim between the transition zone between hot and cold. Yeah. Because the, the wind speed from hot to cold would be unbelievable it would be like 200 miles an hour you could power the entire earth 20 times over which would be a great saving and also might help cool you down i'm just saying there's positives we might might not be considering you cannot make an omelet without breaking eggs yeah or half the planet yeah i mean potentially but we'll pick our least favorite half and uh yeah you know calls for tough decisions it does uh, what I mean, I've got some kind of dumb ideas, but I quite like them. All right. So currently, we've got all of our factories, and stupidly, we've we've positioned them so that the gases go up. You know, the chimneys go up. Mm. And what we need to do is just flip those factories upside down, put the chimneys facing down. Yes. And the uh, the gases will go down instead. Because that's where we want our carbon, right? Back in the earth. Someone told yeah. me. And there's, there's sort of ideas around carbon capture, but no, I just want to literally just pump it all straight down and, and hope for the best. Well, yeah, because how ridiculously inefficient is it to first pump it into the atmosphere and then muck about creating microorganisms or special substances or whatever to, like, vaguely capture some of it and put it back in there? Like, that's, that's like... Um... Oh, God, that's like, uh, you know, I, I've left my uh, my half-drunk cup of tea and it's gone cold, right? I could go and tip it in the sink and wash it in the sink, but you know what? I mop my floors every so often. So <laughs> actually, I'm just going to tip my tea out wherever and eventually it will sort of get cleaned up. <laughs> it, like, it, it works, but it's not great. It's not very efficient and you live in a, you know, a filthy pigsty in the interim. So, yeah, just flip those chimneys. God, there are simple solutions here we're not even thinking of. You don't even need to, you know, you don't even... Because CO2 is heavier than air, so it would sink down. Right, it's not even going to try and escape. You're not going to have to muck about sort of like sealing all the cracks to keep it in. Yeah. This is revolutionary. (laughs) Or, Or with chimneys, either you do that or you make the chimneys so tall that they actually go out of the Earth atmosphere and vent directly into space. Where it's nice and cold. This is a great synergy. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Because, yeah, you've got your added bonus, all your CO2, straight into space. No one needs, no one will ever need that CO2 again. Plants, pfft, don't need it. So into space, and then that gas will also be hot when it goes into space, so you're losing heat as well. It's true. But it won't be hot for long. It'll probably freeze out there or whatever. If you, you know, you run out of carbon, you need more for your, for your plants or whatever, you can probably just go out there with a, with a space net or something and collect some, uh, some shards, right? Gases freeze in space, don't they? Uh, That's a thing. Sure. I guess we might end up with a sort of um, Saturn's rings kind of scenario. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting there already with satellites, but um, you Which would just be add super some cool. extra noise into that scenario with some Why frozen not? gas. Everyone loves Saturn's rings. They're great. They'll be an attraction, like an extra aurora. And also, 
um, they'll shield us from, uh, you know, some of these harmful uh, cosmic rays or all, all this UV light. You know what I mean? Like, we're bothered about the whole business with the greenhouse gases is they're, they're um, not reflecting enough of the sun's light out and they're reflecting it back in once it's in. Get the gases out there, reflecting it away. <laughs> Yeah, although maybe that would just end up extending our, I don't know, uh, it would sort of maybe just, it would be like having a double duvet instead of one duvet. You just end up with two layers of insulation. Well, that might just come down to like how tall we make the chimneys. I don't know. <laughs> Build I think... the chimneys taller. It's, it's getting hotter again. <laughs> we can definitely agree that chimneys as they currently exist are a real cop-out manoeuvre. Because whoever built the first factory, or I guess just like the first space that they decided to fill with smoke, it would have been the first genius who was like, fire's great, right? Keep it in your cave mouth, keeps the wolves away, cook your meat on it, it's good times, right? What about though, I kind of want it closer in though, it'll be more convenient. Oh no, tried it, now the cave's full of smoke, this is the price we pay for innovation. Let's go back to the tried and tested method, no, wait. I know what I'll do. And then they just really, just an absolute half measure. They were like, we don't want the stuff in here. We'll just put it just over there, just far enough away that it's not a problem for me right now. It's going to be everyone's problem. It's like raking all the leaves off of your lawn and just dumping them into your neighbor's lawn or in the, into the middle of the street. It's like, well, literally, it's not you rake great. them all up and just fire them at high speed into the air and just see where they fall. <laughs> just see where they go. Yeah, exactly. Like they used to do with, uh, do you remember how popular like balloon launches used to be? Oh Was yeah, everyone would like ha- like hook up cameras and ducks to helium balloons. Is that right? Oh man, I didn't even. I don't think we got that sophisticated. I remember that. I think my like my primary school did one, and it was just like they. It was like a fun activity. Uh, they got all the kids to write a little uh, slip, like a message. Uh, and then we attached them onto helium balloons and like released them all at once. And it was like, you know, they took a lot of pictures. It was an event. The parents came and then, you know, they drift where they may. And then like messages in bottles, um, they show up. And like messages in bottles, that's littering. You're literally just taking something that doesn't biodegrade and chucking it <laughs> into the environment. Like that's how did we ever see it any differently? But unbelievably, this was considered okay. And yeah, they just showed up, you know, wherever, just this plastic yeah, I guess I feel like messages in bottles, as long as they're glass bottles, I'm okay with. But anything plasticized, yeah, is, is not good. It's just vexing. And the glass bottle, I will allow it, provided the glass bottle has already been used for another purpose. If you're manufacturing glass bottles for the sake of tossing them into the ocean, then I also think you have a little <laughs> bit of a problem. I don't know. That's just me. Seems inefficient. But yeah, balloons, even weirder. Um, although I can think of one helpful application of balloons, and it is attaching them to cows <laughs> you know okay. what i mean i mean th- this is very weird because looking at my notes in front of me i've literally got a section which is uh called cow fart balloons marvelous well listen great minds think alike <laughs> <laughs> we can begin the program immediately um yeah because they're a problem these noxious exhalations we can agree yeah that methane much more potent than plain old co2 and it takes i think about four years to break down into co2 so you've got to deal with it amazing and it does not take four years to make a new cow so the problem is presumably growing exponentially and yeah, uh, we already that, have maybe. balloons we have that technology so we just need to figure out a way to attach them yeah then, i mean like... you, yeah you've got to somehow <laughs> this is gets kind <laughs> of gross but you've got to <laughs> attach it so that you don't catch all the cow pat but you do mm-hmm. catch all that Lovely, tasty methane for burning well, in your, you know, your biomass plant or whatever. 
Exactly. And farming is already gross. I mean, the things they have to do with like syringes and let's, you know, let's not dwell. I'm not even an expert, but like they already have to do some pretty gross stuff. There's various processes that sort of Mother Nature took care of in her own also gross ways, but like we didn't have to worry about them. And then when we invented agriculture, they sort of became our problem. And in many ways, we, we often made them like worse or at least more commercially viable and therefore uh, often grosser. So I say to the poor overburdened farmers that are keeping our society going, truly the the heroes of our society, I mean, what is one more gross thing that they have to do with cows <laughs> among friends? Surely we can rely on them to catch those farts and keep them out of our uh, delicious breathable air. Maybe the cows have to inhabit a sort of biodome and it, there's a sort of suction pump which, which filters out all the methane and burns it for later use. Yeah, maybe our problem is allowing cows to roam freely uh, under the god's good sunshine on this beautiful green earth. If we just kept them in nice, efficient, uh, airtight boxes... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anyone's ever come up with this concept. Almost like a row of batteries, you could call it. Like a kind of a a battery farm. You know what I mean? Yep, no, that would be, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> the best, the absolute best. Uh, or you could just, you know, just burn the cows for power. That's true, yeah. we. I mean, you could just burn it all for power, to be honest. <laughs> and that will either solve the problem or just make it so that it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, speaking of options which um, are sort of shooting yourself, that's not the expression. Hmm, what am I thinking? <laughs> uh, cutting your ear to spite your face? No, what's the expression? Cutting your nose off to spite your face? That's the one. So you could just get rid of all the oxygen. So if there isn't any oxygen, there's nothing that will react with carbon. And so we can't create any CO2. So problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, there's a lot of indirect. It's we're kind of we're looking at we fixated on some specific causes here. It's kind of like how... um, trying to think of an example from history i think this is the kind of rhetoric that gets used for example by cigarette companies when uh you know when when it's like first they try and buy off the scientists or the judges or the press and there's like there's an arc to this you know from like literally everyone smokes tobacco chews tobacco inhales tobacco eats tobacco you know it's just it's good for what ails you feed it to your kids and then at the other end of that arc is like why would we ever do this Um, ridiculous and then sort of the progression along that timeline passes through like you know what studies what studies no no these studies show that actually you you get colds less often and then you know the next generation is like okay yeah we heard about that weird outlier study that suggested that some cigarettes in some circumstances might cause an itty bitty bit of cancer but the real problem is the rolling papers they were using. Did you see how much, you know? And then they'll, like, deviate the attention. And we all know the problem is just tobacco no bueno, but they will find <laughs> other things to kind of shift the blame onto. And maybe that's what's going on right now. We've, we think we've seen through the conspiracy because we've seen all the industrialists with their, like, fossil fuels causing a problem. I don't think so. Oil's the best. Drink it on the breakfast <laughs> cereal. Glug, glug, glug. And shifting it onto other stuff. Like, oh, it's just a natural cycle or whatever. But maybe we haven't drilled down far enough. Actually, fossil fuels are yet another scapegoat. The real problem, oxygen. Oxygen. I mean, how would you... Oh, 
Everyone just has oxygen tanks, and that's, you know, you ration your oxygen. I mean, no, literally everything would die, but uh, maybe the, the planet would be colder because, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. maybe it's just sometimes you have to you have to kind of shut down society a little bit, implement some drastic measures to fix a problem so that then eventually you can return to a kind of normality, right? Yeah, and I, th- I think the best way to get rid of all the oxygen is actually to turn it into carbon dioxide so we should we should burn as many fossil fuels as we can yeah so that we get rid of all that nasty horrible oxygen yeah just once and for all it's the last one though you know it's like one final heist so that you can finally retire on your ill-gotten gains or like (laughs) the last cake that you're going to eat all to yourself because tomorrow you start dieting right but you need like one last one just to remember yeah that's what we'll do just burn everything but like one last time Mm mm-hmm there is a theory where you could paint things white. Um, so what I would like to do is to paint everything white. Brilliant. I love that. I was thinking like mirrored sunglasses. We could bring those back in a big way. Mirrored surfaces. <laughs> Painting stuff white, that's even cheaper. No, no mirrors, just white. White paint sunglasses. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good. So cheap. You could get one bucket of white paint and, you know, you dip as many sunglasses as you want and that. Much cheaper yeah. than a mirror finish. So you build white roads, white buildings, white bridges, white balls. Oh yeah, you put, sorry, you put white balls on lakes. So you know, like on reservoirs. You I just thought put... you were talking about balls as in male cows, and I was ready to go along with it. Like, yeah, why the heck not? Farm animals. <laughs> Make those white as well. That's us well, yeah, you, you can paint the plants white, you know, uh, like the opposite yeah. of um, Alice in Wonderland, painting the roses red. Nope, flip that round. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the only problem is, I mean, the only problem the main problem is, uh, once again, with many of my ideas, all the plants die. But also, mm. it would be quite difficult to see on sunny days um, because uh, there might, there be, might be quite a lot of car accidents because everything is exactly the same tone <laughs> so, and, and yes, it's reflecting sunlight directly into your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, although yeah. maybe this is where the white painted sunglasses come in. <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, it might be one of those things where like, if you only apply the solution part way, then it causes more problems than you started with. But if you really go whole hog, yeah. then, you know, you shift from one normality to the next more or less seamlessly. And yeah, once we truly coat everything in indiscriminate <laughs> whiteness, um, then, I mean, what's to go wrong at that stage? Yeah, and just you have to have these intensely powerful sunglasses, otherwise your eyes just are incinerated. Yeah. You know, the minute you step outside. Only for a couple of generations, and then presumably we'll, uh, you know, do some adapting, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure that out later on. I'm just, I'm tickled by the idea of sports commentators in this new world, to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing, yeah, like white-coated, you know, white-clad uh, athletes with their chalk dust all over their skin on a perfectly white pitch with a white ball, and all the lines are white, <laughs> and the goals are white, and then everything... <laughs> And, you know, the overlay for your TV screen, also white. And the commentator has has got to make sense of that because who the heck else is going to? They're going to have to, like, interpret the shadows. It's going to be, it's going to become much more of a craft than it currently is. Mm, Would we even allow shadows? Would they, would we somehow have to eliminate shadows because light doesn't reflect well off shadows? I don't, don't quite know how that would work. I wonder. I don't know. I, maybe they'd just be there for sort of for a transitional period, like until we can figure out a better way. Actually, there probably wouldn't be many shadows, because if every surface is re- massively reflective, 
you know, you've got light coming at you from all angles. So you won't, you'll either have very faint, lots of very faint shadows or you'll, you'll barely be able to see them. Every player on the pitch just surrounded by sort of a faint umbral corona and yeah. uh, they have to very carefully interpret because there's no, you know, the number is is white against a white, uh, you know, shirt. So the only way to know who's got the ball is to interpret the shadows. Yeah, maybe you have like a colour allowance, like you ration colour. So you're allowed like one of your football boots is allowed to be red and that's it. So yeah. everyone is just a different colour, you know, on the pitch and that's how, how you identify them. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ball has got, like, one spot on it. So, like, as it spins, <laughs> you can kind of figure out where it is. And that creates a whole new, you know, meta game. You you try and kick the ball so that it doesn't spin. And so that that red spot keeps facing your team. And so oh, they've yeah. just got this, you know, white ball coming out of nowhere and just, you know, knocking out players left, right and centre. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true strategy not so that it gets past them into the goal without them seeing it's so that it strikes the forehead before they have any way to react and you've just got this yeah. massive cloud of chalk dust and you say oh he's down he's down <laughs> possibly we can't actually see him but yeah. the orientation of his colored boot has changed so presumably <laughs> he's either doing one very long bicycle kick or he is in fact horizontal <laughs> In between bouts in, like, boxing, I mean, I know boxing's normally indoors, so it wouldn't apply, but let's say you were doing outdoor boxing. In between bouts, that normally they, like, mop their brow, but they're also, like, applying chalk. <laughs> yeah, them, oh yeah. So that they stay reflective, yeah. Well, less mopping would be necessary, because you'd just be covered in this absorbent dust the whole time. Maybe you'd That's have true. to, like, dunk your they, head they in that. They should do that, that now, and more. it would make boxing, I think, more entertaining, because, you know, every time you yes. get smashed in the face, a big cloud <laughs> comes Yeah, <up>. just <laughs> like an exhalation of dust. Yeah, that'd be really cool. How dramatic would that be? I like that a lot. Uh... Um... <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking over you. Uh, so you so what other ideas do you have? Um, well, I've got a couple of sort of just real symptomatic ones. In case we just need like a little bit of a push to get us through this. Nothing as radical as turning everything white, but like... We've got a problem with all these ice caps breaking up, all the ice flows, you know, they're drifting away from the main land masses. We've all seen the, the terrible videos of like these big icy cliffs, these glaciers crumbling down into just chunks of ice drifting away. There's like a solitary polar bear and he's just drifting off into the sea. Like, what's he going to do? His, his whole continent's coming apart. Just, just like, we've got adhesives. Just get some tape. <laughs> Stick that, like, why are we putting up? We're watching it come apart and we're just watching it like, oh no, what could we possibly do, right? As if we've never stapled anything together or like used any kind of, we've got no nails glued, that stuff is strong. And I know it's not a permanent solution, but like, you know, it'll tide us <laughs> over. Yeah, uh, how much glue are you going to fire at Antarctica and the Arctic? <laughs> I th I'm thinking more like a judicial, so, you know, a careful application, judiciously, just along the edges. You don't want to coat the place. <laughs> so I think you've that got might teams cause of dedicated, uh, I don't know, you've, you've requisitioned a team of scientists and uh, they're just going along with those, you know, when you were in primary school and there were those little white um, glue applicators? like made of plastic oh, yes. they've just got My those and they're God. just carefully filling in the cracks behind them it's all just falling into the sea but they're just like no no mm -hmm. it's going well <laughs> those we're were such an egregious use of plastic as well i swear yeah. there's there's an entire art department churning through paintbrushes because you cannot trust kids to clean them 
And so they have a very short lifespan before they just become rigid and plasticky with all the dried up paint. And then you've got these other mofos actually buying rigid plastic paintbrush shaped things to, <laughs> to apply glue with. I mean, that's insanity. You want to talk about recycling and the circular economy. And all the wasted effort, these scientists, they're already going to, uh, you know, these polar regions to look at penguins or whatever. I'm just saying, take some glue with you. Don't just look at the problem. Become part of the solution. Become part of the problem. <laughs> that's, that's what you need to do. If you're not careful with the super glue, that might be what happens. Well, speaking of t- turning things into plastic, one way that we could avoid this, obviously a lot of our emissions are from oil, um, mm. but what if we just turned all of our oil into plastic? So it becomes yes, unusable finally. for mm-hmm. burning. I mean, you could burn it, but wouldn't be as great, I think. Uh, and you, obviously you can power your car on plastic pellets, or at least not at the moment. So yeah, just turn it all into plastic. It's unusable. Maybe you could just uh, turn it all into plastic and dump it into the sea. I think there's no problems with doing that at all. Uh, so we'll just nice maybe in the form of bottles. Oh yeah, that'd be really convenient, actually. They get washed down the rivers, no problem. Yeah. Just all end up there. Yeah. Just make sure that it all, yeah, cascades in. I mean, gravity's on your side there. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a fantastically ironic act of eco-terrorism, actually. This whole time, <laughs> you know, the oil barons are just, you know, sitting pretty atop their, their big old underwater lakes. Underwater lakes? Yes. Underground lakes. <laughs> and we're just, nope, just solidify all of that. Just a big old, big old pile of plastic bottles. I'd love to see a heist movie where they steal an entire oil well, like billions and billions of gallons of oil, and the, the oil barons come in the next day, and then it's like they're looking around the vault, it's like, where's it all gone? That's exactly right. That's the shot I want, is them coming into the oil vault, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and just the camera spinning around them, and it's just cavernous and empty, like, my god. Where did the oil go? And there's, there's just a little, um, like, repeated gif of the, uh, you know, the person who's nicked it with, like, I don't know, like an oil barrel over one shoulder, just giving them a cheeky wink, and they go, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, as he, as he uh, like, pushes the detonator or whatever and zips up the elevator, I don't know. As he just casually pours all the oil into a river, <laughs> like, ha no more oil for you! Let's <laughs> all get him. Well, look, speaking of, like, um, supreme acts of eco-terrorism and tunnelling below the earth, maybe we've got a lot of heat down there, is my understanding. It, the, the earth is kind of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's kind of like a, a pie or a hot pocket. The crust has cooled, because that's always the first bit, but the inside absolutely holds onto heat like crazy, like a jacket potato or whatever. There's not enough holes have been poked in the crust to let the steam out. And I think that's, yeah, that's why the Earth is as it is. It's to stop star monsters from, from eating us. Because, you know, they'd eat a bit of the outside and then go, ah, too hot. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good defense if you think one's going to come along and take a nibble. But when's the last time that happened? Right? Well, I think not, we're not overthinking the star years. monster angle. Exactly. Global warming, <laughs> that's an issue right now. So, you know, you, you got to kind of choose the lesser of the two evils. I say we poke some steam holes in this sucker... Let some of that heat escape, let the cooling air in, uh, you know, solidify some of that magma, cool that radioactive core. And uh, yeah, I mean, the sun can keep on doing its thing, but we'll have less heat coming from the inside. Mm. I don't know if our core is radioactive. I might need to check that. I thought it was iron. I gather it's iron. I, I, someone told me, uh, or possibly I read a comic book. <laughs> um, something about there being radioactive elements down there, which is what's keeping everything 
so hot and molten ah, for maybe. such a long time and has prevented us just cooling down like a like a lesser rubbish rocky planet that and having an atmosphere i guess maybe to uh insulate listen i don't know science the, the, for all i know the earth is hollow like those other guys are saying <laughs> in which case all we got to do is turn it inside out maybe then all the hot stuff on the inside the lava and that that'll get heated up by the sun but that doesn't matter it's already hot that's you, fine the saying... problem is we're out here getting heated by the sun we need to be on the inside where it's nice and shady and cool Okay, because I was thinking with your steam holes idea, it would tie in quite nicely with one of my ideas, which was to tunnel a deep hole into the middle of the Earth. But mm. this is for if climate change is happening, you just divert all the rising seawater into that hole. Cool it down. Yeah, I mean, you cool it down, but also, you know, it means you don't have flooding in your coastal areas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take a big old trench. Absolutely. And all the soil that comes out, just build a bigger mountain or whatever. It's yeah, fine. just, you know, I mean... People like one-upping each other, so just build a massive, you know, Mount Everest plus three meters in, in I don't know, in, in Hull, and just, you know, <laughs> jobs are good. Uh, Maybe on top of Hull, and just have a sort of dwarven kingdom. I like that, I like that a lot. And and then, you know, they get nice and shady, so they're cooling down as well, there's a lot of synergy. I, I forget what, um, God, this was from another Tumblr post, so who knows if it's real, but there was a picture, okay, and that's evidence of a sort. Um, there was some artist who chiseled the top inch off of like Ben Nevis or somewhere. I think it was, which which is the tallest mountain in Britain? Oh, it could be Ben Nevis. Listen, whatever. I'm pretty sure it was a British artist, I think. Um, and yeah, it was like the tallest mountain in Britain or the United Kingdom. And uh, they, this artist took the top inch off of it and put it in an art gallery. And uh, <laughs> apparently the like, the council of wherever was very angry and wanted it back. Well, you would be. You stole a bit of your mountain. I know, which sucks, but also I really like the idea of finding the top inch of a mountain because <laughs> last I checked, they don't come to that sharp a point. So yeah, they're, they're like pyramids, aren't they? <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> just, just straight up. So you climb to the top and then you're just kind of like kicking around a bit, I guess. And you're like, oh, I guess I'll take this pebble, right? You just have a really massive um, spirit level, just trying to find the top bit. Is, would a spirit level do it, or do you need I mean, no, maybe like not, an no. altitude, whatever they have on planes to measure out? Like, I've no idea. Yeah, you need like and a theodolite, basically, to, you know, what, which surveyors use to measure gradients. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Probably. Yeah. It'd be a really complicated business, actually. Measuring the height of mountains must be mad complicated. I bet if he'd never told them, they never would have noticed an inch had gone. No, it's just like, you know, a person could have accidentally kicked that bit off, I'm sure. Easily. Or someone yeah. brings us, like... It's a thing with um, hills which are not quite mountains. I think there was a Welsh one where they discovered that it was not actually tall enough to be a mountain when a, kind oh. of a, one of these surveyors, not surveyors, I, cartographers, anyway, came along to mm. look at their mountain. So everyone in the village just like took stones up to the top until it was tall enough. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Ah, oh, I love that. Because what an absolute spoil sport. Like, hey guys, just checking if your mountain's really a mountain. Like, what other motivation do you have? You know? Yeah, I guess it was like, well, I guess he, he measured the height and it was like 998 meters. And I think, hmm, or do I mean feet? I can't remember what the threshold for a mountain is. God, who knows? It's probably measured in hands or some nonsense. <laughs> How many horses is it up this mountain? <laughs> How much horsepower is this mountain? Gosh, it's five horsepower. <laughs> I've never seen a mountain this strong. Well, look, speaking of horses, great segue. Have you noticed <laughs> how when they run, they warm up? Yes. 
you can see where I'm going with this. It's the I, same mm. with people. I don't know if you've ever noticed. <laughs> so yes. we are generating all this extraneous heat, just moving around, exercising. Gyms must be like, if you looked at a heat map of a gym, it must be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just imagining a really sweaty man called Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these gyms. They're off the charts. <laughs> We've got to do something about the gyms. Whereas the Delias and the Georges are much lower. They're very cool. <laughs> We've got to pair them up. It's the only way. Um, yeah, everyone jogging is basically generating unnecessary heat and, and pumping it directly into our atmosphere that we all use. And that's not on. So if we all just stop moving, just stay still, yeah. breathe slowly, slow down your metabolism a bit. Okay, there's no need to rush, no stress. Just, you know, take a cold shower, hydrate. And we'll just, you know, that's got to crank it down a couple of degrees. Maybe. Yeah, could be. Or, or you can, um, long term, you sort of uh, have to select for humans who are more like reptiles, where they don't even produce their own heat. They, you know, they absorb God, heat from yes. the sun. So that mm-hmm, it's not a problem mm-hmm. anymore. Even if it gets warmer, we're going to be like, yes, give me that warmth. I got to, you know, nip to the shops and I'm not quite there yet. That's so true. I think as mammals, we're really doing the place a disservice. Not just mammals, birds. What else is warm-blooded? Uh, some fish, Are I believe. Traitors. Not many, some of them. My god, I thought they had it figured out. And, and probably some amphibians as well. I wouldn't be surprised if even some reptiles are letting the side down. Well, no longer. Uh, gosh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there would be some problems with getting everyone to stay still. I mean, I, I mean, we can't get people to wear masks like at the moment. <laughs> hey, everyone, just don't move, you know, for like the next mm, maybe 10 years till we got this under control. Just, just, yeah. hey, everyone, just here's an idea. Takes. How about we stay in our houses and don't really go anywhere? <laughs> Good joke. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I can see the problem. All right, well, then maybe we've got to take the problem to the source, right? The sun is Ketchup. our enemy Sorry. in this. <laughs> what? Ketchup sauce. Oh my god, you're a monster. <laughs> the sun, okay? Mm-hmm. We're getting too much heat from it. We need to divert some of that. we got to distract it, okay? Get it to look elsewhere for a while. What are stars like? Is it attention from paparazzi? <laughs> Maybe we could chuck a load of them into space. The sun will like, you know, be like, right. oh, look over here, Mr. Sun, let us get your best angle, sort of thing. Worst comes to worst, you lose your paparazzi, and that's not a big loss. But yeah, thinking on the star theme, what have, has anyone measured the temperature of Hollywood stars? Because surely they're kicking out, you know, nuclear fusion oh, is not a, goodness. you know, it, that's a hot process. And we idolise these people. We let them out and about. Yeah. Where they can do untold damage. We've got to fire them into space. They should be our astronauts. Any astronaut should be a Hollywood movie star. <laughs> Perfect. Because they could, they could generate their own, um, you know, electricity on board. The heat yeah, coming the off savings. them. You just use that to drive some steam pistons. You're, you're done. Absolute dynamos. That's great. We need to stop mucking about making a gravity and interstellar and so on, like in uh, CGI. Like, that's dumb. Get them out there. Yeah, I mean, you joke, but I think that is something which is happening. I think it's Tom Cruise is going on an Elon Musk sort of spacecraft to film something. Is he really? Seems like a good use of resources, doesn't it? Well, look, if it'll stop global warming, I mean, <laughs> no price Tom is Cruise too by high. himself is emitting about, you know... 50,000... What do you measure heat in? Kilojoules? I don't know. <laughs> I don't day. know. Gigahertz. Something. Yeah. Have you seen how <laughs> shiny that man's teeth are? Yeah. It's a problem. Oh, he, he offsets some of the heat because his teeth reflect the sun so much. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Ting just shines off. <laughs> 
So one last idea I had was uh, about rainforests. So everyone knows um, rainforests being deforested at an alarming rate. Um, so what we need to do is maximise the remaining rainforest, maximise its capacity in terms of biodiversity. Trees obviously store carbon. So one layer of rainforest is, you know, that's that's not enough. We need to have a multi-storey rainforest. So you build Ooh. huge I don't know, sort of sh- shelves. I don't know across entire mm. rainforests. You put in a we bit of soil, IKEA. like some strip lighting. You're done. Yeah, yeah, and that's really a great saving actually, because the, the you need practically the same amount of water. You just shower the the top part, and mm-hmm. it'll trickle down. You know, like hydroponics. They they're not having those. You know, big and flat. They stack them. Yeah, and like the, the, the lowest rainforest could be the ones which like the most water. You have those plants mm-hmm. there. And of course, rainforests anyway, they create their own climate so that it rains back onto the rainforest. So presumably the yeah. bottom layer, ultra-saturated with water, and then the it's middle layer, swamp. slightly drier. So you could even have maybe rainforest, temperate forest, and then a sort of semi-arid climate at the top. Top layer, desert, all that sand reflects the sunlight oh, back up into space. Genius. The synergy is incredible. Yeah, we just need to make sure that we build enough lighting uh, and collect enough sunlight and wind power to uh, provide energy for an entire continent's worth of, of rainforest stacked up. Well, look, we're doing a lot of useless things with our power at the moment. Like, I have, I have hundreds of unnecessary devices running in my home at any time. Have you, have you ever walked through your living room at night in the dark? And you're just dazzled by uh, you, you like you can't see for charging LEDs and you know standby lights and transformers and you know it's like it's a constellation <laughs> just of a things. Just a tiny little car and it transforms into a little metallic man. <laughs> God, That's right, and he's using far too much power. Um, yeah, like we're busy watching uh, esports or you know or or, uh, or making I don't know. You know, like mine, mining I, Bitcoin. That's the most useless use of power what? ever made. Nonsense. Absolute rubbish. Like, screensavers. Okay, they're less of a thing now. But uh, that's because people don't even bother saving their screens. Stuff's always on standby. It's just burning through power the whole darn time. Everything's wireless and needs charging and everything's plugged in the whole time. It's a mess. Let's funnel some of that towards, you know, those trees that really need it. Yeah. In fact, this podcast is being recorded on some... Uh, useless devices. Let's uh, shut it down right now <laughs> and divert it to where it's really needed. Uh, the Amazon Rainforest Part 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> I want you to edit in just a like powering down noise and then just cut the episode there. The end. <laughs> done. <laughs> We're done. We're finished. You know not, what? Not Our even the outro. Humanity just completely is... done. <laughs> no, yeah, just done. Let's not even upload it. Our service to humanity, to future generations, is to just stop. <laughs> That's a grim thought. Well, listen, <laughs> my final thought is that maybe the the one unexplored angle is the psychological one. Possibly, to cool things down a bit, we just need to give the Earth cold feet. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, the is that Antarctica, uh, are the feet in this analogy? I guess, yeah. And then we, we get it colder, right? We just, we come on too strong, move <laughs> really fast. Like, progress the relationship much more than it's comfortable with. I mean, I would argue that we are already at that stage with the Earth. We're making unwelcome advances, (laughs) you know. 
Uh, well, maybe we have the opposite the problem, and it's embarrassed, and it's like, you know, and the, the blushing heating effect is happening instead. We need to get it to give us the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to cross through embarrassment, make it realize that the problem is not it, it's us. And then, you know, it'll be flush with that, that cold indifference for us as a species. I mean, what would the cold shoulder be? Uh, just another ice age out of nowhere. I guess so, yeah. I, I, you've got to pitch it really carefully because you, you get it angry and, you know, anger's a hot emotion. You're going to get more of a heating effect, more of the aforementioned volcanoes. That's problems. You need to... I mean, indifference is cold, but also fear. Maybe we can spook it, make its blood run cold, you know? Cool down that magma a bit, or the sea, or whatever counts as the ocean's blood. I guess or the sea has like got, like, circulatory currents. If you want, like, a chilly stare, uh, you could say something insensitive about one of the other planets in the solar system. Yes, uh, yeah, which is presumably related to. Exactly. The atmosphere grows chilly. That's what we need, literally. This is kind of a tangent from our main topic, but one last thing I want to touch on is we're... Going at some point, we're going to hit a period where there's going to be another ice age on Earth through natural circumstance. Maybe because of uh, climate change and global warming, that won't be for quite a long time. But at some point in the future, and maybe humanity's still around at that point, we're going to hit that point. So it's going to be a really weird scenario because suddenly our entire you know generations will be: you don't emit um, CO two into the atmosphere, you don't emit methane, you don't do any of this stuff. And that keeps the planet at a level we can live. But now it's going to be like, we've got to burn everything. Because otherwise it's going <laughs> to freeze here. It's true. All our filthy renewable. Do you think it would be like a liberation? Like, oh, finally, we've been wanting to burn this stuff for ages. <laughs> and you said we couldn't. And now we can. Or is it going to be like, well, we've built this perfect, uh, you know, recycling, uh, efficient, renewable utopia. And now you're asking us to to choke our atmosphere with these rancid gases like no this is the worst yeah it might be like having a bonfire like you wouldn't use it to make power anymore because your all of your stuff is so efficient so you just build enormous mm. pyres of just random crap and <laughs> just burn big old it tire fires yeah yeah or you like you have to suddenly be like where did we put all that co2 500 years ago hey M- Margaret, hey Germany, hey hey Russia, where did you put all your your you know your coal that you burnt and buried underground somewhere? Where is that gas? Because we need to release it right now. <laughs> it might be up in space by that point, frozen into shards or whatever. <laughs> you, yeah. That's when you send out the space space nets. That's true. Well, I mean, we have a current problem with the gases. Maybe we just need to um, I guess some air freshener. Just kind of cover those over. You know what I mean? Mask them. <laughs> if you can't smell Febreze. it, it ain't there. Well, I don't know how Febreze works, but presumably it nullifies uh, <laughs> extraneous like, gases. It's like aerosol void. You spray it, an entire patch of the universe vanishes. I've seen those adverts. It doesn't just mask the unpleasant odors. It actively neutralizes them. Okay? And I don't know what neutralize means in this context, but it sounds <laughs> like it's doing the job. Has anyone ever sprayed Febreze on a person? I don't think so, because they wouldn't still be here if they did. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Bye!
I mean, I figured that whoever or whatever is most affected by global warming, um, we could just heat that up more so that then it feels colder by comparison. Like when you get in, you're in a really hot shower and then when you step into your house again, then you're freezing, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're not talking about um, punishing the people who emit the most uh, gases by literally heating up their countries more? You know what? That works too. Yeah, or just their houses. Like, there's no reason for the whole country to suffer. Or just find <laughs> the worst into defenders. your thermostats because you've all got, uh, you know, um, computer-controlled thermostats now, and mm. you're all just going to very gently boil. Oh, that would be the best. I want that because, like, do you, do you know what a black fax is? No. What's that? Oh man, this is a thing because I learned about these because I had a brief phase as a kind of a. Uh... <laughs> I got very interested in uh, hacktivism um, <laughs> okay. back when back when Anonymous was trying to take down um, the Church of Scientology before Anonymous became um, the name for this like hacker group that was I forget what Anonymous was doing it was like a big social threat but prior to that it was kind of a social movement trying to take down the Church of Scientology this is years ago now and um, <laughs> they basically some of the the crusades that were launched were things like ordering lots of pizzas for the uh for their offices because um this was back when like online payments weren't a hundred percent the norm so it was still possible i don't know if it is now sometimes um i feel like most companies like you have to prepay online and then they'll bring the pizza can you even do cash on delivery anymore uh i hmm. i don't know I'm i think you can sure. in america but not forever here. Okay, well, anyway, that was the idea, basically, just to order tons of pizzas, and then they'd be like, oh, no, we don't want to pay for these pizzas. Um, and uh, black faxes are a thing. To make them waste their resources, what you do is you get a fax machine, right? That hip, trendy technology that everyone still <laughs> has. Um, and you print, well, you get a black piece of paper, or a couple, possibly. I, I think maybe it takes a two or three sheets of A4. And um, you you <laughs> you tape um, the two short ends together, so you've got a very long double piece of paper, and you start feeding it through the fax machine so that it's transmitting. And then as it starts coming through the portion that's already been scanned, you you loop it and you tape that <laughs> back to the end, so it just goes through infinitely oh, and wow. sends. And faxes used to I th- I never used a gosh dang fax, but I believe they used to print as they received mm-hmm, yeah. so you could send one document that would just print until it ran out of toner oh my god um and so that was a, ooh, a cool edgy thing for hacktivists to do was to send <laughs> black faxes to uh, businesses that they didn't like um what was the relevance of any of this i have no idea <laughs> oh yeah so what we want is um is for smart home technology to take over in a big way right so in the same way that it used to be the norm presumably that your office just leaves its fax machine on the whole time so you can send on black fax at night and they won't know they've run out of toner until the morning um in a few years once everything is you know run by a smartphone app your lights your music your, your everything and most importantly your thermostat then you can hack into the president's bedroom and just crank the heat up <laughs> yeah you could do all sorts you could uh because yeah when it's a full smart home you could like just turn off their fridge all their food goes rancid um uh... this might actually become a problem maybe this is a topic for a future episode how uh smart technologies could go horrendously wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's already been some fun issues i know this because i ran a conference one time 
um, on uh, smart home energy management systems. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, it was thrilling. It was basically <laughs> a room full of like uh, <laughs> of, of, of high high level business people trying to figure out why the heck anybody should care um, about their uh, <laughs> their electricity meter. <laughs> Where it's like out of all smart home technologies, and this was a few years ago, and even now, like it's not that big. You get these light bulbs, um, like there's some smart home stuff, Alexa and uh, Google Assistant. I think mainly Alexa and like yeah, Alexa. It might be the most popular. I don't even know. I haven't kept up with the marketplace, but Alexa and Siri and Google Assistant, whatever. Um, they're becoming more widespread, but there's hardly one in every home, and they don't really control that much stuff. They mainly just do searches, control your music, talk about the weather. They're not running everything. So in a world where we haven't even found the cool applications, why would anyone care that it's possible to give like your uh, electricity meter a Twitter account? Yeah, it just it doesn't matter. But this was a conference of people trying to figure out if and how and why this should matter and uh one of the big issues was security basically the minute you make everything networked now you've got to figure out the cyber security aspect because someone's going to find a way to hack it and what they'll do is they'll get all your personal data they'll find a way into your home network and steal all your important stuff because you decided completely frivolously to have an extra connection (laughs) to your gas meter i mean i went to a conference um and they talk, They got someone from Microsoft in, and they were talking about the future of... Um, I can't quite remember what it was. Oh, I think it was quantum computing. And basically, quantum computing Ooh. is going to break everything if it uh, comes to pass, which it probably will uh, in the next few years. Like in a good way? Because all like of our current um, encryption software is obviously based not on quantum computing. So the minute someone gets oh, quantum no. computing going, all of those encryptions are broken because that computer can get through them so we'll have this weird transitional phase where all your passwords all your personal information everything is just like free for all anyone can get it and we don't know when it's coming and yeah so look forward to that and if you've got a smart home when that happens like you're done (laughs) i fervently hope that is just another millennium bug that never comes to pass i hope so but uh yeah she seemed fairly confident that it would. And then, like, at the end of the talk, she's like, God, that was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah, computing's cool. <laughs> and it's not going to kill us all. Wink. 